welcome to Sloop. I am Frank. Today we're going to be talking about the finale to House of the Dragon. Before we go any farther, I want to address the fact that I am definitely a few days late. Uh, we had some guests scheduled to join us for this one. Uh, unfortunately, we had a scheduling snafu. That happens often in podcasting. You have to work around it. So we're going to do this one solo. And you know what? That should be a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk about this episode. Let's go ahead and dig into the finale. This is a very exciting finale in my opinion. I think they did a really good job finishing things up. Uh, let's go over the story real quick. We start with uh, Rhaenyra. She's comforting Lucerys, which is the younger of the strong boys. He thinks he's about to inherit Driftmark. We're not sure if the sea snake is going to recover at this point. And so he's he's worried that, you know, you know what? I'm just not good on ships. Obviously, Driftmark is a very ship-based island. And so I'm, I'm not the right guy for this. That shows that Lucerys is not quite the commanding Targaryen as we're normally we normally suspect we hear news that her father is dead and that Aegon has taken the crown that rightly belongs to Rhaenyra Rhaenys is the one that delivers this information clearly sets up the next season really uh, we find out over the painted table that they need to secure the River Run Winterfell and Storm's End that's the three, three castles they also discuss who are their enemies who is siding with the uh, Alicent Party, the Green Council, we're going to be calling it instead of the Green Party, the Green Council. We have the Lannisters and we have the High Towers. Now, High Towers, of course, the Hand of the King, Otto High Tower, it's his family. And the Lannisters, one of them is on the seat, and we've seen them earlier in the season two, kind of like wooing Rhaenyra. I do like that somehow, in this uh, version of of Game of Thrones, right, where they said like you guys aren't going to have sides you're going to root for. They put Targaryens and Baratheons on one side, two families that we already liked, and they put Lannisters on the opposite side, which is like, oh, and the Tollys, sorry, so from River Run, so yeah. So we already have the Game of Thrones division in place, right? Baratheons, I'm, I'm going with the fact that I like Robert Baratheon. <laughs> not so much his son Joffrey. And we all know that his son Joffrey is not really his son. Mm-hmm. You watching that Game of Thrones? Freaking craziness. Uh, real quick while we're here, that painted table, how gorgeous is that? That's obviously an upgrade from the Game of Thrones version of the show. It's lit from below with these candles. Just stunning. That was a really, really well done job. So we go to Rhaenyra, who goes into labor and gives birth. Child looks like it's deformed. Now, this happens kind of often with Targaryens. Like, not often, often, but more so than you'd think. It actually happened to Daenerys Targaryen as well. And the description in the books is that it, it looks like it's half-dragon. That's up it's probably just, dis, uh, you know, malformed or whatever, but because of the Targaryen Association, a lot of times it's described as partly dragon. There are a few reasons this happens. First and most obvious one is the fact that they keep breeding with themselves. Like, if you're only marrying brothers and sisters for generations, you're gonna have some messed up babies. That's just science, folks. And so, that's probably the first and foremost biggest reason. The other cause for this, and possibly why they might look like dragons... A little bit would be the fact that they have blood magic in their genes. So early on in uh, Valyria, the Targaryens, like many other houses that were dragon riders, rose in prominence because they promised they practiced this blood magic. That was the magic that eventually got them the ability to slightly control dragons. I'm not going to say control dragons because we're going to learn very quickly here that they don't have full control over dragons, but it gave them the ability to slightly control dragons. That blood magic tainted their their uh, blood, obviously. And it's why they actually intermarried to continue that magic's uh, strength throughout their line. So if they continue to marry within themselves, that won't diminish. But if they bring in somebody else, like a strong, like a, a Tully or something like that, that will obviously water down that strength over dragons. 
keep that in mind. Uh, that's probably something that'll come up again later in the future, and we already see it come up in Game of Thrones in the first season. We see that Rhaenyra, the entire time, like, Daemon is, is pushing to start the war immediately, and Rhaenyra's holding back. She's trying to not go into war. Similar to how Alicent's been kind of, like, surprised at how Otto Hightower's, like, ready to go immediately with trying to put Aegon on the throne. We see that Rhaenyra is not the one that's inciting the events. She's actually the one trying to pull the reins as hard as she can and make the wise decisions. She even questions, like, why would I want to rule over ashes or... What's it, what's good for the queen? Like, what is what is the job of the queen? To serve the people. What serves the people? Sitting on that iron throne or making sure that not all of them die? She knows that when dragons fight, first dragons, it burns everything. Viserys was a history major. And so she knows what happens when dragon versus dragon happens. It just burns everybody around the area. Get ready. That's what comes in the story. Damon is obviously not on board with this. Damon eventually chokes Rhaenyra. Especially after Rhaenyra considers the terms from Alicent. She, I don't think she really does, but, you know, she's, they're not terrible terms if it were truthful. And Damon chokes her. I, we're going to talk about that later on. It's going to be one of our, our four focal points, points going forward. It says a lot about Damon's character and their relationship. But we'll discuss that later on. And I really want your opinion on that one because I, I'm not entirely sure what to make from that. And so we'll discuss it later on, but I do want your, your opinion on that. Rhaenyra uh, respects the fact that Rhaenyra is not going full bore war. She could. She could be jealous that, oh, hey, you know, Aegon's trying to take my throne. I'll bring dragons upon them. I have more than them. And she's not doing that. And she respects that. And her and Corlys decide to back Rhaenyra. Corlys, of course, uh, bringing the entire Valerion th uh, navy, which gives them uh, major superiority in the oceans. The counter to that is the Lannister on the west coast has has their own navy that's pretty big, but it's not as big as Damon. And then we also have, I think at this point, the Manderleys of the north have a pretty good navy. If not now, they definitely do in Game of Thrones. Actually, I think it's Rickon or Bran that tells them to make a navy. And so, um, God, that's like such a forgotten thing that's only in the books. I almost forgot about it myself, really. And, uh, and I, I had wished that the show would do more with the Mandalays, but they never did. Moving on. Uh, Damon and the two boys, they head out to go meet with the houses. Um, I think Damon's at this point joining them, but I know he wants to talk to the Tullys himself. The idea is that ravens are going to be too slow, and it doesn't bring the same gravitas of landing in a castle with a dragon and saying, Hey, remember that promise you made to my mother? It's time to, uh, be, you know, prove that you're, prove your loyalty. Obviously, Lucerus, who we just talked about, uh, you know, we opened the episode with, is not really big on war, and um, he's a little bit timid on the situation, so he's he's going to be really trying to hold up his own, and they fly off. Now, from here on out, we're going to be, uh, it's going to be an action sequence, and we're going to discuss a little bit more of what happens later in, as one of our focal points. Lucerus lands in the middle of Storm's End, that is the Baratheon home. And, you know, it's, of course, raining. It often is there. Just one of the best, coolest visuals ever. He gets off his little dragon. They, they do such a good job at making sure you realize how small Lucerus's dragon is. He gets off of it, and then he looks over, and he just sees, like, the head of this monstrous beast in the background. Vagar and her rider, Aemond, are already there. So he's now contesting. He's not just asking for help. He's contesting his cousin. Or, actually, I think it's his uncle. Yeah, uncle. So... He goes in there, of course, Aemon's standing there looking cocky as all hell. He talks to uh, Lord Baratheon, who is a 
total jerk. He's he's the son of the guy who was actually loyal, so he's not actually loyal himself. It's a real lukewarm response. Damon reveals his sapphire eye. It's not rope. It's it's just for show, <laughs> right? Lucerus gets onto his dragon. Uh, what's his name? Erex is the name of of, Ceres, of that dragon, and they fly off. And he's even telling him like, "Focus. We need to get out of here as fast as possible." He knows that he's about to be chased down by his by his uncle. And of course, they're flying, and and it's just the storm itself is so demanding that he's having a hard time. But uh, there's some back and forth, and we'll discuss what exactly happened here because it's important to understand exactly what happened here. And uh, one attack, one dragon attacks another, then another, and eventually, out of anger, Vagar kills Erex, and along with that, her rider Luceris. News gets back to Dragonstone, and we see the final shot of Rain Rhaenyra turning around, tears in her eye. That will start the war. That is the uh, Dance of Dragons right there. The first war, um, or the first battle in, it wasn't even a battle from what we've seen. But it's always been said as a battle uh, over um, Storm's End. And that is our story. So our four focal points we want to talk about is who is Ver uh, Vermithor, because that's going to be very important. Uh, the perceptions of the two uh, leaders, the Choke and our um, Dragons Under Control. So first off, let's talk about that Choke. We already, we already talked about that a bit. The coming war against the darkness in the north, the conqueror's dream. Sarah shared it with me when he named to me. Yeah. My brother was a slave to his omens and portents. Anything to make his feckless reign appear to have purpose. <laughs> Dreams didn't make us kings. Dragons did. told you. <laughs> Why is Damon choking Rhaenyra? That is a very good question and I really don't have an answer to it, but I think it's very important to see that they're not as aligned as they sometimes come off to be. There are moments like uh, with just two episodes before this, we had uh, the Sea Snake's brother talking smack in the middle of court and we see, I've seen so many memes of it, and it's just so freaking cool. Damon looks over at Rhaenyra. Rhaenyra gives him a slight nod, very small. Then he knows, I'm okay to commit crimes. And he slices the head off, partially, right? Slices the head off of the Sea Snake's brother. That kind of relationship is really cool. It's this, like, partnership, and we're going to be in this together, good or bad. Uh, it's the same kind of relationship we've seen earlier, and, and actually continuously, really, between Rhaenys and the Sea Snake himself, Corlys. So we're hoping to see that with these two as well. But then you have them this moment where he's choking her and his desire is obviously to go to war. We've always thought maybe he wants to take the Iron Throne. He wanted to take it from his brother. But we also see that he just wants to be more important and be seen as a serious, important person. He was happy to be the hand of the king, but that was just never offered to him. He's, I think he sees that Rhaenyra, he loves her for sure. I think that's definitely the case. But... He also sees that she is his avenue to more strength. And when she is faltering from that, he's concerned. One of the things that sparks this rage in him is the fact that she starts to, assuming he already knows, explain the Song of Ice and Fire prophecy. Remember, they're alone in the room. So in the books, 
We don't have this scene. This scene is only in the show. And because it's in the show, it's the truth of what happens. He thinks it's just nonsense because her father used to speak of the history of, of Valyria and, and stuff like that and, and prophecies that came from there. So he thinks that, oh, you're, you're talking nonsense like your dad would. She's not. She's speaking the truth. But he doesn't know that. And so he's thinking, oh, you're just trying to find excuses to not go to war. We need to go to war. And he chokes her. That rage in him will be a problem. And we're going to see it soon with the next topic we're going to talk about here in a moment. I, I want to get your guys' opinion. Please let me know what you think that choke means going forward. And, and do you think the fact that Viserys did not tell Damon of the prophecy was because she, he didn't, never planned on Damon being the next leader, so he didn't need to know, or because he didn't trust Damon with it? Let me know what you guys think about that. Next, we'll go ahead and talk about uh, Vermithor. Vermithor is the second biggest and oldest dragon alive still. With Vagar, who was at the, the end of the episode, you saw him, uh, her attack. Vermithor is actually the dragon that belonged to Jaehaerys. Uh, Jaehaerys the Wise, of course, the, the longest living Targaryen and king. Vermithor is this big, beautiful beast. He is a gorgeous dragon from all accounts. One of my favorite things that Jaehaerys used to do is when he'd go visit a um, castle, specifically when he first came from his, we'll call it honeymoon, whatever, when he first was meeting or, or not meeting because they're brother and sister, which is so weird still. Uh, but when he was first marrying his wife, Alicent, and he was returning back to King's Landing, when he would come in, he'd always fly his dragon low and slow over the people in the town. The reason for this is you were to be in awe of it and almost like, wow, you're you are greater than what I have around me. You'd fly low, put everybody in awe, then land down. And sure, there's a level of fear of it, but there's also just a level of awe that comes in that. And that's, that's one of Jaehaerys' earlier signs of like, you don't need to be strong, you just need to show strength. And he would do that. <laughs> he would often, like one time when he had a deal with his uncle Baratheon, uh, he, would, he flew over there with, <laughs> with uh, Vermithor, and his uncle had kind of decided, like, I'm going to actually put a different person on the throne. And Jaehaerys was like, look, here's the deal. You're not going to do that. And so Baratheon's like, hey, do you want to take my, ne my nieces to, as, as like leverage to make sure I don't turn on you anymore? And he just, Jaehaerys just looks over at Vermithor and looks back. He's like, I think I'm fine. With the very silent but poignant term of like, I will murder your asses <laughs> if you try to do this again. I will bring Vermithor over here to make <laughs> Storm's End just a flat rock. <laughs> you know, that's Vermithor. It's a... Fearsome and awe-inspiring dragon. We see Vermithor in this episode. Damon singing in High Valyrian, going through the caves slowly, because he knows how powerful this dragon is, to try to approach Vermithor. They need all the weapons they can get, and Vermithor is a grand weapon. Vermithor in there blowing the fire kind of showing you the firepower of this particular dragon. That will be used in the future. I'm not going to give any details. I know this one from um, some stories that go back from the Game of Thrones era. And let's just say he will clear some space for his family to move in on a new location. And he will he will be very Aegon about it. Aegon the Conqueror about it. Damon's about to show how truly evil he can be. And how he does not care about anybody. Remember when he was uh, fighting in the steps and he just landed on that guy. It was like, yay, Damon's here. And he just landed on that guy with no regard for the guy's life at all. That's Damon's MO here. And he now has the ability to ride. Because, of course, it's not his main dragon, but it's still a dragon he'll ride. 
ride the second most powerful dragon in the kingdom. I mean, I'd almost say it's the it's more powerful than Vagar. That might be crazy because Vagar, no, Vagar actually was a, definitely a war dragon, but she's getting old and slow, so that's kind of important too. So Vermithor, keep an eye on that, guys. That's the next big big dragon to be playing with. All right, let's go over dragon control. So we see this big battle, and what's important to remember is the Aemon, who is the jerk in the fight, his intention was just to pick on his, his friend and nephew because they're friends. They grew up together. And so he's just kind of picking on him. He's not trying to necessarily kill him. It, you could tell because of what he says later on. And in this fight, we see that it's just a constant chase. Now, while the boys are you know going back and forth, you got to remember that the dragons, the control is not go left and that dragon will go left for sure. It's more of a suggestion. They're like emotionally bonded. Sort of think of like Avatar where they have like the weird sex with their hair thing. It's kind of like that where they're like emotionally bonded. And so they suggest things. And we see when when um, Lucera's dragon, Eryx, is hiding in the canyons. We see this daunting vision of Vagar overhead. Finally, when they have the ability to turn around, Eryx, the smaller dragon, disobeys Lucerus and attacks Vagar, blowing the fire on the side of her face. We know that this was disobey. This was uh, uh, not what Lucerus wants because he says, "Eryx, listen to me," or whatever. You know, like stay under my command, basically, knowing that he lost control. It's like if your dog were to bite somebody. It's like he told the dog to bite somebody. It did it because it felt threatened or whatever. It thinks it's doing what's best. So Eryx loses control first. That triggers Vagar to defend herself beyond what Aemon says. So then Vagar, no longer listening to Aemon, goes for Eryx, who of course, unfortunately, has Lucerus on her back, on his back. And so both are destroyed in just a gruesome death scene that really just kind of turned my stomach a little bit when you just see like dragon wing flying off the one direction. It was really gross. But then we hear out of Aemon, no, what have you done? And the look on his face. Two things happened with that look, you can tell. First off, he knows he just lost somebody he grew up with. Like, there's definitely a rivalry, maybe even a hatred, but they're still, you know, it's uncle, but more so like cousins. And so there's, there's a level of that, but also he knows he just done screwed up and started a war. A war that will pour fire and blood all over Westeros. It will be messy. The, this is one of the more gruesome wars I can think of in all of Game of Thrones. I think this is like the most bloody and gruesome one there is, even more so than like what we see in Game of Thrones itself. It's, it's pretty severe. The regrets in Aemon, I want to see them follow up on that. I want to see them respond, like him go back to Ellicent and try to explain like, I didn't mean to do it kind of thing. Or will he embrace it and just kind of try to like put on this mask and we'll know that he's hollow inside. That also would be interesting. Let's see how Aemon goes forward with this. The last thing I want to make sure to bring up is the fact that we have new perceptions of both of our leaders here. So let's revisit the Alicent one. Alicent, who we think, you know, originally I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, she's just going to try to take the throne. No, she thinks she's doing right by the king because she believes that Aemon, or I'm sorry, Aegon was supposed to be on the throne at the request of a series. So she thinks she's doing right. And then when she does become queen and they're, they're, they're about to make this move, she finds out that Otto Hightower and much of the Green Council already had plans in place. Like, no matter what happened, they were going to make sure that Aegon took the... Whether or not she okayed it, whether or not Viserys said anything, her father was going to act and make sure that Aegon took the throne. So we see that she's not necessarily doing the quote-unquote bad parts. 
she's just giving the okay and steering things slightly, much like when they control dragons. Oh, damn, did I just... Okay, yeah, much like how they control dragons. They just slightly steer... Oh, man, okay. <laughs> Sorry, guys. Blew my mind a little bit. All right, and now we see that out of Rhaenyra as well. Rhaenyra is trying to hold back the reins as hard as she can. She's trying to steer things uh, in the right direction, but we have Damon and we have these hungry other... Um, the, the two other families that are there with the Valerions and the Cartagrades, I think they're called, are also old Valyrian houses. So this is like a Targaryen bloodline kind of council here with the Black Council. They're calling them council instead of party, I think, is going forward because I think the Black Party and Green Party is not as cool as Black Council and Green Council. Anyways, so she's also trying to steer them away from going on full on war, just burning down Westeros. And of course, it's hard. Damon is very, very, you know, aggressive in his thought process but then we see when she finds out about her son the way she turns around is she's gonna let the dragon go the way it wants let the black council go ahead and unleash war and take their first target so going into the next season the first things we need to address they're going to be trying to secure storm's end which we already had a battle there they're going to try to secure the tollies at river run and they're going to try to secure the starks at, at winterfell of course we already know that winterfell is going to be in the next season they talked about that and i am so excited for that. I cannot wait to see Winterfell again on screen. They also are going to have a new base of operations. They discussed it in the episode very slightly, but it's going to be a big deal in the next season. They want to work out of Harrenhal because it's at the center of the um, the center of the map. Plus, it's actually the biggest castle. It, there's a reason Jaehaerys, Jaehaerys actually used that when they were trying to decide who should be the next ruler and they went with King Viserys. They were actually at Harrenhal, not at King's Landing, because it was big enough to house everybody coming in. And so they think we need to make sure to have, we're gonna have all these dragons. We're gonna have everybody, we need to make sure to be at the center of the map. We need to be the biggest castle possible. Uh, Dragonstone is an island. It's hard to have lords come into an island. Um, anyway, so that's what we got going on next uh, uh, next season. Let me know what you guys think of Damon's actions in this episode. Your thoughts on the queen, on the two leaders going forward, you know, based off of where you were before. Um, and are you excited for what Veramoth might be doing next? The Vermithor, the biggest, second biggest dragon out there. And I, Vagar too, just, oh man, I think they did such a great job of animating Vagar. Really cool CGI. I really enjoyed this season. I think they did an excellent job. I, I know this is a tough one because of the time jumps, but I think they handled it quite well, really. And I think we're gonna see some more acting changes yeah, or actor changes over time. Uh, it was it was just such a good start. Thank you guys very much for joining me. Again, Sloop is normally on Patreon and Bitcade. Patreon, every tier gets access to it from the $1 up to, I think, the $20. But, I mean, really just $1, you guys are fine. You guys will get all the Sloops. We normally do movies. Sometimes we do TV series. Uh, I feel like the TV series actually get a little more traction, although I think the movie ones are better quality. So it's a bit of <laughs> a bit of a mixed bag there. Um, and so we're going to be doing movies again for, the, for November and December. Let me know if there's any particular movie you guys want. They're also on Bitcade. Bitcade's more of an a la carte version of Patreon. Uh, and it's ran by um, Haz and Alex. We've had Alex on the podcast before. Haz is from Grief Burritos. Those guys are the ones that created that podcast. Or that uh, app called Bitcade. It's a really good one. So Sloop is normally exclusively for those two locations. So check those out, guys, over there. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you very much for hanging out with me. I appreciate that. And have a wonderful week. Bye.